from Relay FM. This is Connected. Welcome to episode 390. I am your host, well, actually one of your co-hosts, I'm Federico. And it's my pleasure, first of all, to thank our four sponsors this week, Squarespace, Hover, Trade Coffee, and Theragun. You will be able to hear more about them later. Uh, but it's also my pleasure to introduce my other co-host from the United States of America, more specifically Memphis, Tennessee, Stephen Hackett. Hey, Federico. Hi. Hey. I think I'm, I think I'm, getting the, I'm getting the hang of these intros. It was good. You hit the from really hard. Yes, that's, you got to do that, right? You got to do that because like, Mike does it. Yeah. Has been doing it forever. And it's, not, it's I the, do not do it anymore. No, you do it. Jason you do used it. to make fun of me all the time. It's like how Austin dropped the, hey guys, this is Austin. <laughs> yeah, but it's not exactly the same. But yeah, he did, he yeah. did stop doing that. But I do still say from, I just don't put the, all the energy mm. on it, you know? Yeah. Well, now I do. So yeah, I am the, your, the, yeah, the baton your footsteps. has passed to you. Yes. The bassoon. Yes. The bassoon has passed to you, Federico. And <laughs> if you want to hear more about bassoons and other <laughs> flute-like instruments, <laughs> make sure to sign up for Connected Pro, our very serious, very professional, members-only version of Connected that people can get where, Mike? At getconnectedpro.co. Yes. Anyway, we're jumping ahead because, Stephen, you are supposed to introduce our third co-host from London, England. Yes, we are joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. Hi. 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 Hey. I missed y'all last week, but I, I enjoyed listening to the show. thought it was a very good episode. Thank you. And uh, now I'm back. Spoke a lot about video games, as we all want to do when you're not around. Yep. A, a friend of mine texted me and was like, I'm listening Connected, you're not on it. And I can't tell if I accidentally hit play on remaster. It's like, yeah, they do that. We do that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So it was a good episode. Let's uh, let's start with some follow up. And this week it is mostly about the studio display, which you all spoke yep. about last episode. Well, uh, only goes, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. We mostly promised that you would. Mm-hmm. You know. So and here yeah, I we am. really built uh, yeah. the anticipation for it. You know. Yeah. Like, so you got to deliver now. Yeah. Yeah. I want to start with Mike. Do you have a shipping date on yours yet? Nah, man. It's no. just sometime between the 30th of March and sometime in April. Yeah, that's what my Mac Studio says. Yeah, oh, really? Because, yeah, because you build to order, right? I did. Yeah, we will yeah. get to that. There's lots of Mac Studio stuff later Naturally. in the episode. Um, but reviews are out, everything. I caught up, watched them all, read them all. And it's just so interesting to me that this display seems like seems to have some camera issues. I don't think we'll have to go over that. It's been covered a lot. But what's interesting to me is that this thing is, it's not even like basically a computer. It is a computer. Like it is mm-hmm. uh, what an iPhone 11 inside or an old iPad Air. Like yeah. it's got the A13 Bionic, lots of storage. It's so interesting to me the way they solved this. I enjoyed a tweet from Joanna Stern. Uh, she was like, I'm looking forward to the first teardown of this where they take the screen off and an iPad just falls out. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. It, it looks like a computer inside. Uh, it's... It's pretty, pretty interesting. And even back in the days of like the Thunderbolt display, they were putting more and more into the monitor, right? To handle all of the I.O. and all the display stuff. The Pro Display XDR has lots of fanciness in it. It's, you know, big, thick, chunky thing with lots of lots of spinning parts, fans, and, you know, the creepy holes that now I'm touching on either side of my monitor. Uh, and this thing just really kind of follows in those footsteps. But it's the first time I think we've seen really Apple basically just picking up like an A-series chip 
and putting it directly into a, a display. But it makes sense. This is obviously really good for like embedded systems. It can run forever, nice and stable, plenty of horsepower. We'll see if they can solve the camera thing. And, ho you know, hopefully it's, it's not something that the A13 is just underpowered for. But because it runs iOS, they can just update it. And there were some tweets over... Hmm. Uh, the last few days of people looking at the updates, looking at the tech details. It's pretty interesting stuff to me. It's interesting as well that they've, that it's actually got 64 gigabytes of storage, right? Like that just feels so weird. Like just put storage in a display. I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta cache the pixels. You right? got, okay. Yeah. You gotta cache the pixels. Uh, my guess is that the, the A13 they're using, like that's just the most efficient one they have around. But it seems like a waste. <laughs> like, I don't know why. It's, it's just It has to come down to economics. I don't know why you would do it otherwise. I think I heard someone say, I, I don't remember who now, but like just the idea that they maybe just have these basically packages of things, right? Mm -hmm. And like an A13 with a 64 gigabyte SSD is just like a thing they already have tons of or can very easily make. So they just put it in there, even though they'll yeah. maybe never need that amount like but they need some right because it runs ios like a version of ios mm -hmm. which is also hilarious um but yeah question i have a question for you i don't know if this if anybody knows the answer to this yet is it possible to do touch id on a keyboard with a mac that doesn't support it if you have that display does anybody know the answer to that question do you huh. understand what i'm asking uh i i don't no, my my guess right. would be no, that they're not sending any like secure enclave authentication over Thunderbolt. Because I know that like the display, it enables a Mac to do things that otherwise a yeah. Mac couldn't do, like right. spatial audio and stuff like that. A and uh, a Hoy telephone will work on Macs that don't yeah. support it if they're hooked up to this display. But I have not seen anything about Touch ID. I would be surprised if uh, if they had enabled that. It'd be cool, but. Yeah, fair enough. I just wondered how much of the package, right, that actually gets yeah. included. There was another tweet that I really liked by this guy named Federico who said, mm. Apple is making a new co consumer display that has the guts of a base model iPad, but the iPad still doesn't really support external displays. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, that guy's an idiot. So, of course, he makes it. <laughs> what does he know? Um, <laughs> uh, well, like, yeah. I mean, it's true, though, right? It is a base model iPad inside, you know, it's even got the 64 gigs of storage. And I just find it, f I understand, like, this is a display, it's a modern display that, you know, you start seeing this convergence of, well, it's not just a monitor, it, it also powers software features even for Macs that do not have them. So it makes sense to have an A13 inside. But if you think about it, it's kind of ironic that the same hardware, right, of a base model iPad is in a display and that, of course, the display does display things, but the iPad still can't. <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it's a funny tweet, but the underlying point is true. I would be really surprised. I actually also liked this tweet from Chris Lawley, friend mm. of the show, if anybody can find it. It was in response to this tweet, I think. And Chris said, like, um, personal theory, you know, I see that the iPad Pro supports the, um, the uh, what's the, um, Pro Display XDR. Okay, I got it. Yes. I had a bit of an epiphany over the weekend. The studio display requires the USB-C 10 gigabit per second 
The Pro Display XDR requires Thunderbolt. The iPad Air got that USB spec, and the iPad Pro got Thunderbolt. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but monitor support coming in iOS 16? So that would be... This feels like, this to me, no offense to you and Chris, the desperation of an iPad user. Probably. Of like... Try no, like, you're like right. doing the string, you know, on like the the always sunny meme. It's like, please give me what I want, and I will find a way to get there. Yeah, maybe he's right, but I don't know. I I, I just feel like you know, to hurt too many times, that kind of thing. Yeah. Still, I'm gonna be upset if if they don't do it in 16, mm-hmm. because it's just so obvious at this point that all the pieces for this are ready. They just got to do it. And honestly, they have been ready for the past couple of years. That's what stings here, that they have done the pointer and the magic keyboard in 2020 and 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 multitasking was already there. So I guess the only thing that they added was multi-window, but that was also in 2020. So really for the past two years, all the technical pieces have been in place, but they haven't done it. And now that they are, it stings even more because now they are back to making their own consumer display and so all those feelings they bubble up again that's why i think ipad users are you know are are in the bargaining stage again you know because it's like come on just do it you know come on can't you just do it and i can see the. i want to understand what you're 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 hoping for or looking for here is it just that like you could plug it into a display and you would get a bigger view like or do you want like free moving windows more apps on screen like that kind of stuff well, I would be fine with um, I would be fine with just having an extended home screen, so that you you move beyond the basic mirroring that you have now, and what you can do is you have your iPad that retains its home screen, and you can place other apps and other windows on the external monitor. So it's like extended display mode on the Mac, but on iPad OS. Now. That would be the bare minimum. Like, don't Mm. do mirroring. Let me control, let me place other windows on the other display. But there would be some additional niceties, I think, that would be, well, nice to have. Like, for example, can I put the iPad in in clamshell mode and use my existing Bluetooth keyboard and, and Bluetooth trackpad and do what I would be able to do with a Mac but on an external display? Right now, if you plug in an iPad Pro to an external monitor and you lock the iPad Pro, you don't see anything anymore on the external monitor. It just goes black. Yeah, that is annoying. Uh, But also, I could make an argument in favor of maybe not freely resizable windows, maybe not that, but more sizing options, more layout options. And Apple likes to do this sort of thing, right? They take an existing feature from macOS and they remix it, if you will. They... they, they, uh, convert it to an iPadOS equivalent. Look, look what they've done with the app switcher, uh, with, with split view, with slide over. Like they take something that you want and they put a new spin on it. So I would be fine with not the macOS system. So you go to the corner of the window and the cursor becomes the, you know, the two arrows and you can freely resize a window. I could live without that on iPadOS, but I think if they do add support for external monitors, they also need to do multiple sizing options, meaning you can't just do external monitor support, but split view remains limited to two windows at the same time. Yeah. Like you gotta, you got to support more layout modes than just uh, two apps at the same time. 
So I compromise is what I'm looking for, I guess. If they were to do the like true multi-window support, do you see those application windows or whatever, the document windows being fully like resizable? Or do you think that we would get options? Well, something like Windows comes to mind, right? Where you have when you have all those like um uh, like the corners of the display and the layouts like on windows when you hold down i don't remember the key but when you hold down you get the pop-up and some uh, like mac os does this kind of but it's better on windows and third-party window managers they do this on mac os like like a list of pre-assembled configurations like top right or bottom left or you know uh, uh, three quarters of the screen mm-hmm. you know and maybe you could do four apps at the same time maybe it would also depend on the size of the external display that you're connecting to meaning if you are connecting to a 15 inch external monitor like the portable OLED monitor that I have it's a it's a portable gaming monitor it's 15.6 inches like on that thing, I could see maybe three apps in split view, but not any more than that. But if you are connecting to a 27-inch monitor, well, in that case, you can do, I don't know, four or five. Uh, maybe you can do a grid of iPad windows in, in quote-unquote split view. That is more of a grid view. There you go, Apple. Just call it grid view. Do a grid view in iPad OS 16 for external monitor uh, support. That would be excellent. So it's complicated, right? Because you don't want to have the complexity of macOS, and you likely don't want to deal with all that baggage that comes from decades of macOS tradition. And, and you're like, well, if we do this on iPadOS, we don't want to do the freely resizable window with the dragging indicator for a window. And okay, I understand that. But at the same time, you got to compromise somewhere. And maybe the compromise would be, what if we gave users more pre-built layouts hmm. so it's not freely resizable but you get more options than you do now that system would also scale to a future bigger ipad pro right so that would be okay i think this episode of connected is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, services, and even the content you create. Squarespace has got you covered. You can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visits and sales are coming from and which channels are being the most effective for you, you can analyze all of that right within Squarespace. And once you have that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords, or most popular products and contents. You can also sell your products in an online store. This works for both physical and digital products. Squarespace has all the tools you need to start selling online, a bunch of integrations that work really well. And you can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on a journey to becoming loyal customers. Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. Squarespace is so great. I love how easy it is to customize, picking your colors and typefaces. You're not dropping down to CSS. It's all a beautiful click-and-drag interface. But you can, if you need to, do things like code injection and CSS override for those of us who want a little more fine-grained control. But the stuff they give you out of the box works wonderfully. 
Head to squarespace.com connected for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONNECTED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase and to show you support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of Connected and all of Relay FM. So last week, I asked Connected listeners, the passionate ones, to tell me if they use SharePlay. And I've been getting tweets from Connected listeners that use SharePlay. Because I was genuinely intrigued at what one may use SharePlay for. And I could imagine some scenarios, but I got a few that were additional. Will you allow me to read from uh, the listener base? I'll go, I'll go we'll through this pretty it. quickly. We'll allow it, yeah. Okay, so JD, who had a very special story in Connected Pro today, uh, and a friend, use it to watch Disney Plus shows together when they're released. Uh, Rod uses it to listen to music with his mom, who lives far away. Uh, Chris uses it for date night. Chris, who we previously mentioned in the show today, uh, when his partner was traveling, they watched a movie together. Sigmund has used it for big screen bilingual group viewing of TV shows using whoa, whoa, iOS whoa, devices okay. to deliver what? audio huh? tracks of choice. What? What does that mean? I don't. I don't know, but that's what Sigmund told me. Sigmund has used it. Big screen. So here's what I'm thinking. Sigmund meant of like a bunch of people. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, watching yeah, a yeah, Apple yeah. TV show at the same time. I don't know what big screen. I didn't really know what that part meant, but big screen. But like people could choose their own language, right? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. And so everyone could watch it at the same time, but they get that you know they get their audio tracks that they want. Uh, Ricky watches movies with their friend who lives across the U.S. from them. Daniel uses it to watch TikTok videos with their sister who just moved away. Alex uses it to watch TV Plus shows with their partner who lives in another country. Kent uses it as a way to hack around Fitness Plus so they can do fitness workouts with their partner in the same room and both get the like uh, activity for it. Uh, Claire uses it to share music with their partner, who lives far away, of course, and really appreciates the shared audio controls like play and pause so you can like actually sync up properly. They also use it with a group of friends to do like working together hangout type situations. So like just like a bunch of people on a call, someone might put like a video on or whatever, but they're all hanging out. Eric uses it for Fitness Plus when working out uh, for with their daughter while traveling. And Cade watches TikToks with their partner who lives far away and also for date night movies. So there's a lot of overlap in these. Um, but that was every single person uh, in our audience that wanted to contact me about how they use SharePlay. Uh, I saved all of them and that is them. Um, most of these I could have imagined is like a thing that people would want to do. I just didn't know how much of a great experience it would have been, but everybody that contacted me seemed pretty positive about SharePlay as a technology. So it's definitely making people happy, you know? Um, but I don't, I still, having read all of that, I just don't think I would go through the aggravation of using it because all of these things, right? So, like, let's imagine we're watching a movie, right? I don't need to be on a FaceTime call for the whole time. Like, I don't need that. That's the that's the thing that that gets me too. Like, yeah, these use cases are are great, and and I'm really happy that people send these over. Maybe it's not just for us, and that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that that was sort of my conclusion from 
when I covered SharePlay. Like, it's not for me and it's fine. I understand why other people will love it. I just don't want to watch a whole thing on, on FaceTime. Again, I would have two years ago. I wouldn't now. But hey, if it works great for you, excellent. We'll see. I wouldn't have two years ago. Like it's it wasn't you know yeah, this isn't even just a pandemic point, thing for me. It's like uh, this is just not a way that I could imagine wanting to consume content. But I, I like that there are people that are using it because my honestly my assumption is I was going to get like one tweet right throughout the whole week and I got a bunch and so I thought that was pretty great. Um, but it's still just like not a thing. Stephen, you obviously went on last week's episode. Have you ever used SharePlay? I have not. No, okay. Maybe you and I can watch a movie together. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I like the idea, right? If you could do all of the stuff without, like, there needing to be a current, like, a persistent active FaceTime call. Like, I like the idea of, like, shared experiences, playing and pausing at the same time and all that kind of stuff. I would be just as happy with, like, an iMessage thread that runs, you know? Like, for me, the idea of, like, me and Steven and Federico were going to watch a movie, and for the whole time I'm watching the movie, I can see what they're, like, I can see them. Like, that's that's odd to me. Like, Mm -hmm. that, that is weird. I'm I'm happy that people like it. I mean, what what it does feel like from most of these situations is it does feel like a like an intimate experience, right? That like you know, like people tend to to use SharePlay with a loved one, like or their partner or whatever, and like that makes sense to me. But even then, like if me and Adina watch a movie, I don't look at her face for the entire movie. You know what? Like, it's just weird to have the face in that front. Would, that of would me, be creepy. You know? That would be creepy. Yeah, you're watching a movie, you're just staring at her. Maybe I'm watching movies wrong. Maybe you are. That is my share play. I wanted to touch on this really weird story that was out at the end of last week where Porsche, <laughs> their CEO, Oliver Bloom, had this quote about uh, discussing exciting common projects with Apple. Like, <laughs> what? What, is, what does this mean? What is he talking about? They are, quote, on the same wavelength, and managers from Porsche traveled to the U.S. late last year to discuss joint projects with apple here's another quote we already have apple carplay we will expand on that i mean this feels pretty cut and dry to me i think it's like the car key stuff or whatever car keys car keys like i think people see this a bunch of people in the discord are telling me facetime audio and SharePlay works together fine my point still remains i don't need a current active audio call let alone a video call so now instead of seeing other people another person's face you can hear them breathing Mm. as you watch a movie i just don't need it anyway this is like one of those classic, a CEO got overexcited and said a thing, and then everyone's like, oh, this must mean Apple and Porsche are working on a car together, which like, I just don't, it just doesn't marry up to me. When when Apple has a, an active project that not a lot of car companies are involved in and could get more involved mm-hmm. in, which is the car keys thing that you mentioned, Stephen, you know, like using your phone as your, as your car key. Like, yeah. That's because, you know, if the expectation is that at some point Apple will want to uh, make a car or have some kind of car project, I don't imagine it's going to be with Porsche. It's too high end, right? Like, yes, Apple was a luxury brand or whatever, but they will still want to make a car that people can buy or whatever, you know, if they're ever going to do this. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think Porsche's the right place for that. Unless, I mean, I don't know Porsche's corporate structure. I'll look at that in a minute. Maybe they own one of the smaller car brands, but whatever. Um, and also, like, there are current reports suggesting that the car team has been disbanded currently again anyway. <laughs> I think the car project, just anytime anything gets close to it, it makes news because it's such a weird story. Mm-hmm. And that it has been seemingly, from what we know, on and off again over the years. And I think the most recent thing we heard about its organization is that Kevin Lynch was in charge of it. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe he's doing another big reset, or maybe it's really dead this time, and that was kind of his decision. But it's just so unlike other things we hear about the company, I think that it makes... Um, it makes the news any anytime anything is like remotely in, in its orbit. Yeah, Porsche is owned by Volkswagen, so it makes even less sense, right? Like Apple would more likely work for Volkswagen than Porsche project to build a car, probably. Plus, Eddie Q's on the board of Ferrari, so they're I mean, not going to work with Ferrari to make a car either. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, no, but like maybe he would be more willing to work with a, a more normal car brand than another supercar brand. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I got big news for boot camp users. Oh, wow. All those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apple updates boot camp with studio display drivers for Windows users. So if you have an Apple studio display and you use boot camp, uh, it apparently will work. There's no center stage or spatial audio. So boot camp still exists. For okay, now. <laughs> well, hold on. What if, what if, what happens if you try to use a FaceTime video call on Windows via bootcamp on the web because you can do FaceTime calls on the web. Oh, you can on the web. You can on the web. So in that case, will Center Stage kick in or I don't not? think Center Stage works on the web version of FaceTime. That's too bad. I put this in here mainly because I want to talk about bootcamp and how it's super dead. <laughs> it's only on Intel Macs. This 9 to 5 Mac article is, is worth noting that at least for now, Bootcamp remains available only for Macs with Intel processors. I don't see Apple bringing this back, even if Windows on ARM was a a relevant thing, which it's really not at this point. There was also a story where um, someone was working to get a studio display working on their PC and it required jumping through all these hoops I don't know who would buy this thing, just expecting it to work with their PC, but apparently this person did, and you have to like jump through a Thunderbolt card and all sorts of stuff. It's it's pretty wacky. I could imagine someone wanting to be like, I have two computers. I want one monitor. Will this one be able to, to suffice? You know what I mean? And so like, I think it would be weird for somebody to buy this to use with their PC, but I could imagine someone who's buying it to use with both their Mac and their PC, you know? So I guess it's good that... But does it... So, okay. It works well with Boot Camp, right? But does it work well with a PC then? Uh, it's got to be a PC that supports Thunderbolt, well, which not, uh, a lot. not very many. This, this no. Justin, the guy who wrote this post end up using a PCIe Thunderbolt expansion card. And basically you run video from your GPU into this card and then back out mm-hmm. of this card via Thunderbolt. That worked. They do recommend installing the bootcamp drivers to make it work better. And it 
is still kind of broken. I would imagine that if boot camp wasn't a thing, like Apple wouldn't wouldn't even bother with this at all. But because boot camp is a thing, you can get these drivers and and run it. But it's a bit of a mess. And his point is like it should be easier. I don't like again, I don't see why you expected it to be. Maybe it should be, but making it Thunderbolt based already rules out a lot of the Windows world. It's just kind of how it is. No, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like because you it can work. You've just got to have Thunderbolt on your uh, motherboard, which is a thing. So you can get PCs with Thunderbolt. Uh, yeah. on the, like It's a thing you can do. So you just don't buy a Thunderbolt display if your PC doesn't have a Thunderbolt connection. Like That doesn't seem like a complicated thing to me. It's just not as, you know, if they'd use DisplayPort or something, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but that's not how Apple rolls. But why would they? Yeah, I mean, Thunderbolt is better because it can do all of these things, even if the trade-off is a lot of people don't have it. <laughs> it would make no sense for me to Apple to be like, we need to make sure that this display is useful to the wider market. Like, no, you can just go and buy like any display from any company and use that one instead. Like, I, I, I think this is one of those just like arguments for the sake of having it, as mm-hmm. opposed to actually there being any logic to it. Yeah, I can... I can get down with that. Do you guys ever try boot camp? Uh, yeah, I have some boot camp memories from 10, 11 years ago, 20, like 2010 or 2011. Basically, I remember playing some, don't ask me why, but some Fallout 3 on my old MacBook Pro via boot camp. And I remember that it ran horribly. And at the time, I couldn't figure out how to connect a gaming controller to my Mac. And so I think I was playing with the magic Ooh. mouse and keyboard, oh boy. probably. Like a true gamer. Or the magic track. <laughs> like a true gamer. Like a true PC mm-hmm. gamer. But that was horrible. So that was my boot camp memory. Uh, I, and I guess another boot camp memory is getting it set up for friends who got a Mac but also needed to have like a Windows fallback for things like programs that they were using at the university at the time that didn't have a Mac OS equivalent. And again, in 2010, 2011, like web apps like we have today just were not a thing. So if like school or like your your job will give you like a Windows uh, application that you could only use on Windows and if you didn't have a Windows machine you would be out of luck and so I remember setting up a boot camp on my friends MacBooks um, but that was that like uh, I used it for like two days with Fallout 3 and I remember that it was just terrible terrible performance uh, I never did it I think I, I, th- I know I looked into it and I think just the complicated nature of it all, just I, I didn't bother with it because I had no real need for it. It was more like a curiosity than anything else. I'm sure you did, Stephen. I'm just like, even just for the fun of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I did it back like a long time ago when I was consulting full time because I would need Windows for some things and it was easier to carry one laptop than two. Uh, but I also did the trick where you could use... I think Parallels and Fusion both have this. I forget which one I was using at the time, where it could boot your bootcamp partition as a virtual machine. Mm. So you could run it as a VM or fully boot it into bootcamp. But like, I forgot that. That's that's cool. That's cool that it could do that. But this Absolutely. was like Windows Vista, Windows 
I don't even think it was Windows Seven yet. This was a long time ago. Mm. But and I, you know, I know people use it for games and stuff. But I would imagine the percentage of Mac users who ever used Boot Camp has to be pretty small, or who used it for more than a week. Because it is kind of annoying that it's fully separate and having yeah. something in a VM where like you can still use your Mac app side by side. Like that's pretty nice. I think I stopped at the part where it's like you have to make a partition, and I just don't think that I had enough <laughs> storage space to like. Because I know that I know I would have done all of this on my first iMac, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was when I was most like tinkery, because I was like learning it all and stuff, um, and. I just know that like I would have got the base one, right? So it would have had whatever the base storage was. And the idea of like partitioning the hard drive for something I wasn't sure if was actually going to be a thing that I cared about for more than a week, uh, I think that was where I ended up bailing out on it. Yeah. I remember in the early days, there were people like trying to get Windows running on it, those Intel Macs because Bootcamp wasn't there on day one. Like I remember reading these blog posts of people like figuring it out how to run on those like white plastic iMacs. Like you had, you know, doing all this wild firmware stuff, and then eventually Apple just had a solution for people. Did they say they would, or did it just appear one day? Like I don't remember when they announced the Intel iMac. Did they say did it, there was boot camp like a thing that they I, announced? I don't it like- think it was, but I could be wrong. Can I ask you a semi-unrelated question? Uh, have you been on Twitter these past few days? A little bit. That's not a question. Um, but I wanted to check because, like, have you seen, you mentioned VMs. Have you seen what Steve Trump-Smith has been tweeting about VMware and macOS? Can you tell me what that is about? Is he running them all on a Raspberry Pi or some other machine or something? I think so. I, I don't think. know. So, but what is that anyway? So you can virtualize the latest version of macOS now? I guess so. VMware? Interesting. Yeah, no, he's running it on uh, the Intel Nook. Okay. Huh. I'll put put a link uh, in the show notes and in Discord of his thread so you can can see that. Yeah, it's uh, E-S-X-S-C. What's the name? E-S-X-I? Yes. Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway. But that one. So that one. So you can virtualize my... Why would you virtualize my... Well, I guess, why would you virtualize my quest? Because you want to uh, run Tiger. To try my quest things. Because you want to have a cool tweet thread. Steven, why don't you also do this and like virtualize all the versions of macOS? I have a bunch of them set up. What happens to them when I switch to an Apple Silicon machine? I'm not sure. I don't know. It kind of feels to me like this. Th- there is a project in here for you to do like one specific thing on all the versions of macOS that you have around. Whether they're running on, like, I don't know, this uh, uh, maybe this sounds silly, but like the same text document as seen on all the possible versions of macOS. Well, he's done that. That's the screenshot library, right? That's the sc- sort of, yeah, but it would be cool to see it in action on like an actual machine or a VM. Oh. You know? Not like just a, a screenshot, but like the whole... Yeah, the, you know the screenshot library was all taken on real hardware. None of that was virtualized. Nice. It took forever. <laughs> such a hipster. He's such a hipster, man. Mm, I like That's my like bits be running on authentic yeah. G4s. I need a pixel oh, accurate resolution. Pixel yeah. perfect, untouched hmm. screenshot as the 
engineers intended. Stephen wanted to wait the amount of time it would take to load everything, not have it load more quickly because it was on modern yeah. hardware. Yeah. Uh, my lion screenshots were originally not Retina, and I didn't have a Retina machine that would run Lion for a long time. And then I did, and I remade those and re-uploaded them because Lion was the 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 first OS that shipped like with that 2012 MacBook Pro, that first Retina machine. Back to the Mac. That was that was the event. Well, it was before that, but in that era. With Craig Federighi's hands shaking as he, he was, was demoing line, then yes, the, the MacBook Pro I think had been announced before <laughs> that, but yeah, he was nervous. They they give him yeah. good stuff now. No, 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 no. You can't just you can't just say something <laughs> yeah. like that and then we will move on from it. Hey, maybe it's like a like a, like a ginger tea or something, you know? Yeah, he's just having a little tea. What I imagine it is is he's had lots and lots of coaching on presentations, and he's way better than he used to be. <laughs> yes. If you yes. really if if you really want to have like a, a good time, go watch the introduction of the XServe because a very young Tim Cook comes out to talk about enterprise customer support. And it is the driest thing you've ever seen. It's so bad. This is new to me. Tim can I just search yeah, for YouTube Tim Cook XServe, XServe? introduction? Yeah, so many it was like two thousand one or two or something. Two thousand two. Steve Jobs introduces XServe 2002. Is this one of those things where like Tim and Johnny and Steve were all sitting together on stools and talking? Is it like one of those kinds of presentations? It looks like one of those. Yeah, it's Phil and Steve and Tim at the end. They're an they're answering press questions. Because I know Tim was there for the iPhone 4 thing as well, I think. Yeah. If memory serves. Like another one of these kinds of things. He used to show up in these... But if you scrub around, like find a Tim Cook section, and it's pretty unexciting. Wow, it's very young. Also, his hair's like really brown here. I've just never really considered him as having hair color. I feel like it's kind of gray on top. Maybe, maybe it's just the lighting. He looks so young here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's not wearing glasses yet. He likes to wear a watch, though. We know that much. He's a young man. Wow. That's amazing. Huh. Yeah. Well, famous people age too, you know? <laughs> like, I don't think... Yeah, I think about these things. Like, famous people, like celebrities, they also do normal things. And now Tim Cook's jacked. He wasn't jacked in this video. No. I just I just unmuted a section and got to, a, like, a little Tim Cook comedy routine part. You call the software company, and what do they say? Go to the hardware company. You call the hardware company, what do they say? And it's like, all right, I'm done with Tim Cook's comedy here. <laughs> I'm fine, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, to explain to me what customer support is like, Tim. This is before, maybe this is like, that's like his, that's his origin story for customer satisfaction. It's like none of these customers are satisfied and I'm not happy about it. That's so right. So change it today. Maybe he'll bring back the XServe. I thought Federico was going to ask Stephen a different question and I actually do want both of your opinions on this. Okay. It seems to be that everyone's really upset that you can't remove the power cable from the back of the studio display. An interesting thing to be upset about, for sure. Everyone's really upset about this. I'm upset about it. Okay, tell me why. I want to know why you're upset about it, because I don't know why I... Tell me why. I know, okay, I know why realistically people would say that you could be upset about it. Yeah. But... Me, Mike Hurley, has never run into a situation where this has been a problem for me. So I would like you to explain what... I haven't either. Like, I've never damaged a power cable on anything, I don't mm -hmm. think. But in a $1,600 display, 
the power cable should be removable if it's damaged or if you need a longer one or a shorter one if it's like a if it's a standard power connector so there's like the repairability angle but it isn't a standard power connector right like that's the point well i don't know because it's stuck in there that's a good point though like people have removed it yeah you can yank it out i saw a gif of, of linus doing it but yeah it's also from the company that made a magnetic charger for the yeah, iMac. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird that they didn't bring it over to, to here. I yeah. guess it's a cost thing, but like that is the part where I'm like, I don't know why they spent all that time and effort on the, on the iMac one if they're only going to use it on this one machine. Yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, it's like, this is just one of those things where I think it's being blown out of proportion a little bit for like the actual care that people have over it. You know, I have no doubt that I'm going to now hear from everyone who cares about this. But like, I'll just say like, if I do something and break the ca- like the cable's broken, I'll just take it to the Apple Store and pay for a new one. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, but all I know is I've never had to do this ever in my whole life. And I'm sure the power cable will be under the, you know, any accidental damage clause or Apple Care or whatever. And I'm sure if it's not, they'll have just a... Because it is removable. They have a special tool to do it. Like, go look at the 9 to 5 Mac link in the show notes. It's hilarious. The tool that, that they're using to, like, pull the cable out. What is that? It just it just gives more more uh, force so you can pop it right out. It's just, it's just, like, something that makes it needlessly complicated. Like, if it were just a standard power cable, it's just simpler for everybody. I agree with that. Apple but... doesn't have to go around fixing them. Speaking of cables and stuff... What happened to the self-repair store that they announced months ago? I, I, I think I, met, I asked someone about this recently, like, went, like similar to you. I, I don't remember I think we talked about an upgrade when I was on, maybe? Maybe, yeah. And it, it basically, the, the thought that I ended up coming to is they announced it, so they did it before the right to repair legislation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it will happen uh, it was supposed to be early. We didn't say when. 2020. I think they said early next year. <laughs> oh. I, I think early has passed uh, at this point, <laughs> but nothing has happened. Yeah, not yet. Because I still got that screen I want to replace, you know? Well, how, how early is uh, early, you know? like mm-hmm. Isn't that the title of, the, of, of a Smith's album also? No, that's how soon it's now. I saw your phone screen when you hear Mike. It's real bad. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Not, 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 not cracked though. It is, you cracked. know, it is not 100% cr- no. Cracked. Apple says not cracked, so no. So you've you've seen it in person, Stephen. Yeah, I ran my finger over it and was sad. Did you cut yourself in doing that? Is it is it that bad? Almost not really. It's not. It's not that bad. You can feel the. You can feel the deep scratches, not cracks. You can feel the glass. Oh, oh God. Okay. No, it's fine though. That is definitely uh, not uh, no. accidental damage replacement worthy. This episode of Connected is made possible by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name, so for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap. They have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from, so no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. They're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy so the bad guys don't get your information, clean UX and UI, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. All of my domains are at Hover. I have more domains than any one person should, but that's just part of 
doing what I do for a living. And anytime I need to do anything with them, change any DNS records, make sure auto renew is on or off, depending on what I want to do. I'm just always impressed with how easy it is to do everything in Hover. A bunch of domain registrars have really messy dashboards. They trick you into things. Hover just laid out cleanly, easy to use, easy to understand. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL, hover.com connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of the show and Relay FM. Max Studio Time. You got one? No, you no, haven't got one yet. Not, not no. yet. Not yet. But I'm excited about it. Soon. Soon, but not yet. <laughs> uh, I'm sure people have seen MKBHD's video. We'll, we'll have a link in the notes. Um, his takeaways, the M1 Ultra is not as fast as his 28-core Intel Mac Pro and absolutely everything. And some things it, it totally is, or even faster. But also that machine is like tens of thousands of dollars and is the highest in Intel Mac ever made. So against my... Tw- 12 core Mac Pro, it's going, the M1 Max is going to beat it in almost everything. The thing I'm worried about is the fan. And so in his video, it's mentioned, and Jason talked about it, someone upgrade, and I think in his review, mm-hmm. that you can hear the Mac Studio all the time. And I had kind of assumed that because I was getting the M1 Max and not the Ultra, like one reason I did that was. It should be silent because the chassis is built for both. And yes, the heat sink is different between the two. But I expected not to hear any fan noise. And it seems like that may not be the case. Now, Jason says it's not a big deal, and it may not be. But I'm just I'm curious about how that's going to play out for me. I don't understand why there is a persistent fan spinning. It doesn't make sense to me. In the, oh, in the Max version. Yeah. Because... The Mac, my MacBook Pro doesn't do it. Yeah, that that's the thing that's really the most interesting. Is like this is the same chip, and a laptop will be silent until it's really under load. And I expect like any machine I've had, except for my Mac Pro, if I put it under load, I'm going to hear it. Right, I could hear the iMac Pro on occasion. I've never heard the Mac Pro ever, and now it's basically like level with my head where it sits at the end of my desk. But at idle. I really expected this thing to be completely silent and maybe there'll be, maybe it's not a big deal. I don't expect it to be loud enough that like my microphone would hear it. But if I'm in here and it's quiet and I hear it, that may be annoying because this thing is going to sit on the desk. It'll be behind my display pretty close. Right. And, and in a machine that that's clearly the expectation, like in all of Apple's press stuff in the Apple store. So I went to go see this in the Apple store the other day. It's just right there, like next, like right under the display, you know, kind of above where your mouse or trackpad would be. And to have something that close to you and it make noise all the time, like that, that could be frustrating if you're sensitive to that sort of thing. I don't know. So a couple of questions. One is from Zach. Does your Mac Pro not make noise all the time? I cannot. The fans always spin. They are inaudible at their resting rate. I guess they're big, right? They're so big that. I mm-hmm. guess they can spin and they can spin more quietly and move the air yeah, through. Yeah, they're not spinning real fast. Okay. Uh, my second question: You don't have to have it that close, though, right? Like no. you could put that way. You have your current Mac Pro if you just got a cable long enough, right? Yeah, and I have I have a long Thunderbolt cable that the the studio display 
or the, the the Mac Studio and the Pro Display will be you know plugged into each other. So I could have it further away if it's an issue. We'll see. You know, I, as I get into it, I'm going to talk about kind of my setup situation in a minute. I have a lot of other stuff to contend with on my desk now, and it's not all quite dialed in where it's going to go. But I just found it interesting that Apple clearly designed this for better or for worse to be out in the open on the desk. And like in the Apple store, could not hear it. But, you know, people are milling about. There's like background music and stuff. So I'd imagine that if you're in an, in an office environment or like a studio with other people, it may be different. But if you're like me and you work in a building by yourself all day, every day, maybe it'd be a little noticeable. I'm definitely going to follow up on that. Maybe it's like you can hear it but you don't notice it, if that makes yeah. sense, right? Cause it's, just like, well, it's just intriguing to me, right? Because obviously they built it this way because of the Ultra and it needing, I guess, more like, more constant airflow because of the power it's drawing and stuff. But it's just intriguing to me that like it works exactly the same with a chip that doesn't need it. Yeah, like I would expect the firmware on the two to act differently with the fans. And like, and the reason I say this, right? Like, it's, I said it on upgrade two, right? It's just, just a reiteration. I have a MacBook Pro, and it has an M1 Max in it, and I don't hear the fan. Like, there is no f- consistent fan noise from my laptop, like all the time. This is not a thing. So this chip doesn't need it. The same as like, there are some M1 Macs that have fans in them, and some that don't. But they still have the same amount of performance. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I guess it's like so they can run at high speed longer, I guess. There are fans in my MacBook Pro. They'll come on when it's needed. Just the idea of there being like, if you just open Safari and got two tabs open, <laughs> the fans go in. It's like, I don't know if you need to do this. It's just, it's an intriguing thing where it's like, clearly the system works that way because they have put so many fans in it to deal with the really heavy chip. And again, it's like, they're building these machines now, these chassis for like, they're going to be around for like five years, yeah, 10 years, right? So like they know their roadmap over the next few years and they know we need headroom, right? This is where they've gotten themselves stuck in the past, right? Like headroom is something they need. Yeah, there's no thermal corner here, hopefully. And so they know that like they're going to have a chip in a few years that's three times more powerful, for you know, let's just say, just pick a number out of the air, than the current M1 Ultra. So you've got to have the headroom on it. But it is still intriguing to me of like, why does the fan need to move constantly? Uh, I just, it's a uh, an intriguing uh, decision. I don't know. It wouldn't turn me off it, by the way. Like if I had ordered one of these things, because I don't care about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there are always noises like in my studio, right? Like I can always hear a noise of some description. Like I have a fridge in the studio, like a small one, but that always makes a sound, right? Because it's a fridge. It doesn't bother me at all. Like, I'm I'm not one of these types of nerds. Are you one of these types of nerds, Stephen? Like, this is no criticism to you, but, like, are you a, like, can't deal with a fan kind of nerd? Uh, I don't know. Ah, you... I mean, yeah, like, okay. like, right now, the heat is in my... Running in my office. It's extremely quiet. I can hear it if I f- think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm not worried about it. I'm not canceling my order. I'm just curious to how it plays out. Anyways... Uh, There was also a lot of ink spilled about the SSD modules. (laughs) This has been like four separate news cycles. I know. So there was a uh, a YouTube video and then a bunch of articles about it. Uh, Someone took apart a Mac Studio and said, oh my gosh, there's additional slots in here for SSD modules. 
the way the storage works on this machine is like it works in my Mac Pro, where there are slots and you have the modules that clip into them. Now, all of the controllers and all like the brains are on package, like on the system, on the chip, or in my Mac Pro in the T2, where the SSDs are really just storage pools, right? The modules aren't, they're not like an SSD you may buy from Samsung and like put in a in a case, right? It's, it's, it's just a component. Apple says there's nothing user upgradable inside the Mac Studio. If you watch this video, you have to take the thing pretty far apart before you even get to these. Some people thought, oh, hey, this is great. You know, I could buy one and add additional storage later. Maybe someone like Mac Sales or, you know, other companies would make modules that would fit into this. Uh, or maybe it'll be like what Apple does with the iMac Pro RAM upgrade program. So people probably forgotten about this. I had until I was putting this together, where if you buy, have an iMac Pro and you want more RAM put in it, that RAM is slotted. You can just put more RAM in it, but it's inside the machine. And you can take it to Apple and they'll charge you and they, they take it apart and put more memory in it for you. So lots of questions about what this means, what these slots could do, why they are there. Um, and this ended up breaking in the news like a few days later. I was on vacation, so I didn't, I wrote a little bit about it, but over the weekend, I was talking to some people. We all kind of came to the agreement that our guess is that all Mac studios have the number of slots required for the eight terabyte model and maybe the four terabyte model as well, where they need Mm -hmm. additional slots because the, the form factor of module that Apple is using is small. Uh, there was a YouTube video where someone tried taking a Mac Pro S- SSD module and putting it in the Mac Studio, and it won't fit. It's like physically a smaller component. And so they need these additional slots populated for the higher-end SKUs, and they don't want to build two versions of the logic board, so some Mac Studios just come with these empty slots, right? Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense, right? It's an, e- an efficient way of doing this from Apple's perspective of building a bunch of these things. But then someone took apart two Mac Studios and put the modules from both of them into one machine. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> you won't let me upgrade. I'll just buy a second uh-huh. computer and steal the storage out of it. What an efficient and uh, you know economical way of doing this. Uh, that machine refused to boot, freaked out. Because just like on the T2, like in my Mac Pro that I'm looking at now lovingly, or like the uh, the last, you know, 27-inch iMac and some other, other machines, the SSDs are tied to the system, and they're encrypted by that T2 chip. And in the Apple Silicon world, a very similar process takes place where the storage seems to be married to the logic board. Uh, In fact, when I upgraded the SSDs in my Mac Pro, I think I had it with, I forget what I ordered it with, maybe two terabytes of internal storage and upgraded to eight with Apple's parts. I had to put the machine in DFU mode and hook it up to another Mac and use Apple configurator to like re-bless the drives. And let me tell y'all, is maybe the scariest thing I've ever done with a computer. This is like, if this doesn't work, or if the power goes out, or anything goes wrong, my Mac Pro is in trouble and is going to need to repair. Now, it's not saying Apple couldn't change this in the future. Maybe in the future they'll have a program. Maybe in the future Apple configure it to be updated to support this. But 
sort of the excitement people had of, oh my gosh, there's slots in here. I can just add more storage. Uh, that's just not the way this is. And in the Apple Silicon era, it's really unclear what this will look like because so far we've not had any Apple Silicon machines where this is possible, right? On all the on all the M1 machines and the MacBook Pros, uh, the storage isn't slotted like this, right? This is the first time we've seen this, and uh, and so it's a, a little bit of an unknown, but definitely like very interesting to follow this as people were kind of working on it and discovering things over the week. I think it's pretty fair to say that this is still not a device that Apple, I believe, will ever intend to be user serviceable. Like, maybe you'll be able to take it to an Apple store one day and get more, more I think SSD best, put in it. I think at best, that's what this is. I, I don't think it would ever be something that you would, like, crack open and put drives in that you bought yourself. It's like in the same way that it has been said that you can take a studio display and have them change your mounting mechanism. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like you can't do it, but Apple can do it. But so, but this is all leading up to the inevitable of well, what about the Mac? Like, will the Mac Pro be be able to do the things the current one can do? Like, this is the question, right? Because it's as you say, not an easy process what you did, but you are allowed to do it, right? Right? You, Stephen Hackett, can go to Apple's website and buy some parts and open it up, and you know check a bunch of boxes and say, yes, 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 I definitely know what I'm doing and Apple's not going to take any, like, uh, you know, like I'm breaking my warranty or whatever it is you say, you know, mm-hmm. by doing this. Uh, but you are allowed to do it. And that's going to be the question, right? Will that still be the case with 2022 Mac Pro or whatever it's going to be? Yeah, who knows, right? We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, the M1 Ultra chip is humongous. <laughs> if you watch this video. Yeah, it's massive. The thing is huge. <laughs> it looks like a thread ripper. It does. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. It looks like a thread yeah. ripper. Uh, Federico, are you excited about uh, the possibility of Mac Studio SSD upgrades? Well, I was thinking. I was thinking about this just a few minutes ago, and no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm happy to report. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I s- look seriously. I understand why. Especially because they they presented it as a modular computer, yeah. a modular machine, so, so, but that's not sort of the modularity that they had in mind. Well, so here's the thing. I put this on a Slack the other day. Modular equals outside. Expandable equals inside. So I think when Apple says modular, they mean huh. you can hook any display up to it. So, you know, mm, yeah. when you say that, I know what you're saying. To me, those words should be reversed, though, to make more sense, like to the way that my brain works. I don't. I don't actually disagree with y'all. I just. I'm saying that's what how Apple views it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I know you mean like that. That's you're kind of reading what you think they're saying. Yeah. Right? Uh, but my brain says it should be the other way around. But mm-hmm. I hope that Apple at least do consider those two things to be different, and then that's how they explain it. So yeah, I understand why people are are you know annoyed that this is not possible i still think i don't know maybe eventually and if it's controlled in software and if there's enough demand for it i wouldn't be shocking if they open it up eventually but also i understand what apple is saying like yeah you get this box very powerful then if you want to expand it you buy more external Mm -hmm. ssds or whatever and you use thunderbolt and it's fast enough so i get it but maybe 
it's time to move on from the idea of, you know, expandable anything. So you pick the RAM, you pick the storage, that's it. And uh, enjoy this powerful and pricey computer. So I want to walk you all through what my uh, setup situation is going to be. Oh, okay. So currently have uh, a Mac Pro 12 core with 8 terabyte boot drive. I have... Uh, you know what? You've already made fun of me for the amount of storage I have. I will not hear it again. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I just sang it laughing. No, I mean, you know. Yeah, I didn't say anything. You're preserving human knowledge over there. So, yeah. That's right. Uh, it has a internal uh, drive that I clone to every night. And then also has... How big is that one? Eight terabytes. So it's, it's, it's just the... It's got to be the same, right? Uh-huh. Got to be able to boot from it. And then I have 16 terabytes for Time Machine. <laughs> what? How, how many? Why do you need 16 terabytes how? of Time Machine? Did, did you say 16? 16. 16. <laughs> you may as well have said 60. 16. You know? I mean, you what do you need 16 terabytes okay. of Time Machine for? Seriously. Well, because it's, it's double. double. It's double. Yeah, really, is that right? the thing? And it's, well, really, it's because the way it's put together, those are two 8 terabyte drives that are striped. Mike, that's uh, Mike. That's what RAID 0 and mm-hmm. RAID 1 mean, right? It's the all yeah. So is that RAID 0? You know? uh, I don't know. It's whatever, wherever oh. it adds the capacity is it raid one i, don't, I always I get it, it wrong i don't know uh, and th- those drives are on a on a card an internal uh, pci card on a card or on a cart <laughs> like what? i mean it's on a card on a cart right yeah, yeah. if you think about right. it everything right. is ultimately okay. movable we're on the spinning planet right. do you ever think about the yeah do you ever well, think about sure. the permanence of no. objects Honestly, oh, all the geez. time. Like, if the planet is spinning, is anything right. standing still? Like, that is honestly like a like a genuine, genuine, in, generally interesting philosophical problem to have. Like, if the world, if if our reality is always in motion, is anything ever yeah. standing still? Hence, why we can go back to yeah. It's well, weird, it's a right? Conversation. I just had this the other day. So I was it's on vacation. I was out of town weird. for a week, and I came back into my office, and there was a water bottle that I had left open. Like, I left the top off of it. Mm-hmm. Like on the little coaster on my desk, I was like, "Man, that top stayed off a whole week." It was very strange, like a very like. Why? Why is that weird? I don't know. It's just like it struck me. It's like, yeah, this has been in the same place while I've been gone, and now I'm back, and it's untouched. It hasn't moved. But has it really been in the same place? That's wait, the question. wait, 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 wait. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in your. Yeah. Studio. Why is that the only one that made you feel that way? I think because I realized I left the cap off the bottle and it just like, it already had my attention. And then, you know, it was like one of those uh, freshman dorm room when you're stoned kind of moments. Like, whoa, do things move, man? I thought you were going to say something like the water had evaporated and that was what made you feel mm-hmm. weird, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's not that hot here yet. Anyways, keeping. But also, like, more broadly speaking, like, you could even postulate that, like, 
if there's no control, and I'm going to get deep okay. here, Stephen, but I think you will appreciate it. Mike I want, I, honestly, at the you point that you said like, postulate, I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to wait until they're finished. <laughs> okay, but so like if there's, no, if there's no control group to double check on our reality, what is reality even? Like if reality is all that you see, but there's no other entity that evaluates the thing you see, reality could might as well just be something that you've completely yeah. made up. I mean, how do I even know y'all are real and I'm just not hallucinating the whole episode? How do you know that the color green that I you see don't. That's the is thing. the same color green that you see? Am I right? You know? Precisely. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the problem. I'm surprised, Mike, you do not appreciate this. Anyway. Of <laughs> I just... Have you been traumatized by these questions before? No, I was bullied by my family over questions like this. So oh God, no, I'm it's sorry. not. It's no, it's no problem. I I'm did. Sorry. I did a like a, a <laughs> philosophy. Would this be philosophy? No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you yeah. say it is. Yes. Well, okay. I did like a philosophy, like I guess we'll call it a minor kind of thing, and mm-hmm. I went home and asked the questions to my family of the thing, or told them like what they are, like, what did you do, and I told them the thing, and they also made fun of me. Oh, that's stupid. I'm sorry. That's that sucks. It just is what it is. Like it doesn't bother me. We make fun of each other, the three of us, all the time. It's just the way it goes. But like, th- I think that kind of beat it out of me. Of like, stop sharing these thoughts with people. No, no, no. You can't share with us. You can, especially. Yeah, I know. But also, I think sometimes I don't want to think about them all. <laughs> Speaking of permanence of objects, the Pro Display XDR is going to stay. Obviously, it's amazing, and I love it. <laughs> if okay. there's one thing it's, that's it's permanent, not, it's, not... it's that. That thing is not moving. Okay. So that's no, moving. I'm using this display for another 20 years. <laughs> you know, $10,000 will make something permanent. Is that, is that how much that costs? No, that's how much the Mac Pro costs, right? I don't want to talk about that. I mean, yours is, come on. I mean, you've got 164 terabytes of storage <laughs> in it. It's like, you're going way over it now. If I had an LG 5K still, I'd be buying a studio display or maybe two of them. But Pro Display is awesome you have a better monitor right yeah yeah i'm not even remotely tempted by it you would Mm -hmm. you would be downgraded uh i have a touch id keyboard now so i can use touch id with my fancy apple silicon mac because i I don't my my keyboard has an eject key where that should be which is hilarious (laughs) that's when all the ssds pop out the side yeah oh no (laughs) uh so i I ordered the eight terabyte model for my internal drive so that'll say the same size and then I have to move the other storage external, which I am not thrilled about, but it is what it is. So I have a couple of <laughs> drive enclosures. Well, they're here now. Uh, one for the eight terabyte, the nightly clone. And it's just a, it's from OWC. It's a USB 3.2. So the 10 gigabit per second. Okay, bus powered, so no power adapter to contend with. Just little metal fanless enclosure to put that SSD in. Um, I've used these in the past and I've had good luck with them, so ordered one for this. And then for the uh, the time machine one was a little more complicated because that's two drives and they need to be uh, put together into one larger volume. And it uh, turns out OWC sells basically a two drive version of this. So it uses USB 3.1 Gen 2. So again, it's 10, gigab- 10 gigabits per second, bus powered. Uh, it's aluminum. These designs of these cases don't match, which really irks me. I don't know why they've changed their design language, but they have. 
and uh, I could put these two drives in there side by side. I looked at a couple of different options. Wait. Yeah. Why can't you just put... Oh, because one is eight and one is two times eight. Yeah. Okay. It's going to say, why don't you just buy two of the same thing? But it's because one has yeah, two of them. Yeah. Because uh, you can't buy a 16 terabyte SSD. <laughs> I have I have a way for you to get around this. Mm-hmm. Buy another eight terabyte SSD. Mm. And then you've got yes. 16 terabyte. You've got a whole other eight terabytes to do whatever you want with. And then you just get two of those mm-hmm. things. That's true. Stack them on top of each other. Those eight terabyte imagine, SSDs are expensive. Imagine what you could do with another eight terabytes. You That's know? true. I suppose. I looked at a couple of different things for the time machine. And like, yes, I could just get like a spinning USB hard drive. But I already have these SSDs. I want to use them. I like they're silent. Not that that matters anymore with your loud computer. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> uh, OWC does, and other companies, I'm just, I've looked at their website. They sell something called the Mini Stack STX. And it is the size of mac mini footprint which is the same size as the mac studio footprint so it goes underneath the machine or on top and it has uh, the ability to go up to 18 terabytes of storage you you have a nvme m.2 ssd and then a sata slot or you know place to put a sata drive in and you can ram together uh the issue with this is a uh, a couple of a couple things come up one i already have the drives so just finding an enclosure for them makes more sense to me than buying more drives. Um, it also has an external power supply, which I, just, I really don't want to deal with. I like that this can be bus powered, so it's cleaner, and I've got less things to plug in. Um, but this thing has a fan in it. I guess because of the NVMe drive, it needs some some air moving over it. Didn't want that. So I've gone with the the fanless cases across uh, across the board. And this stuff will be like, stacked up i guess maybe under the mac studio behind the screen where we really see it but it makes me miss internal storage already because it's really nice to have all of that inside the computer how is it all going to be connected is it all thunderbolt uh these two enclosures are usb uh the 10 gigabit per second usb which usb c yeah but these are backup drives so the nightly one i don't really care how long it takes because it runs at night and the time machine one yeah. it's still going to be way faster than a like time machine drive that's uh you know like a usb spinning hard drive and so yeah uh, these will be plenty fast for what i need them for because it's not you my put primary those somewhere else though they don't need to be on the desk yeah i could even run long cables and like mount them yeah. under the desk or on a shelf or yeah. something so yeah that's uh that's, that's the plan it's yeah. going to be a stack of external drives just mm-hmm. a little disappointing but uh, but I am very excited about making the jump to Apple Silicon. And what? why don't you just keep the Mac Pro and put the Mac Studio inside of it? Mm. And then everything will still be internal. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be more internal, really, if you think about it. I mean, you're not wrong, but you're also not right at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm right in my own way. There's so many holes in that case. You could th- thread some cables through there, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Be fine. As Mike says in the Discord, expandable. Expandable. No! It's expandable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the Mac Studio is still a couple weeks out. My plan is to sell the Mac Pro. I've already had a couple of people ask me about parts of the Mac Pro. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I may take some of the, like that, that RAID card or um, I was going to sell the, because G- I upgraded the GPU. I was going to sell it separately and then like put the stock GPU back in it to sell the machine. But I sold the stock GPU 
apparently like a year ago. I was like looking through uh, what I have on hand. I was like, oh, I definitely got rid of that already. So I'm not quite sure how it's going to get sold off. I know, Mike, you think I should keep it. but I think you should keep it. Federico, do you agree with me? I think you should keep the Mac Pro. Mm. Yeah, see. Yeah, keep it. But there's something like silly with it. Eric has the most Stephen question, mm-hmm. which is in the Discord. Why not wait and see what the new Mac Pro will be? Let me tell you, Eric, he's doing that. He is waiting. But whilst waiting, he's changing his computer. Yeah, this doesn't been preclude this. me from no. moving again. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Flip-flop, you know, there's a reason. Mm. That's the other thing, which is why I've said that he should not sell the Mac Pro immediately. I think you need to hang on to it for a while. Yeah, I'm not selling it immediately because I want to make sure okay. that this works for me and yes. the noise isn't a problem. Because we found two asterisks so far. Mm-hmm. Noise, and you are really upset about having to put the SSDs outside. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got two, like, chinks in the armor here for this computer. And so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get rid of the Mac Pro yet because you might you might not like it. Yeah, it'll stick around for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then... Maybe John Syracuse will buy RAM out of it or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Be like a like a car boot sale, but just people just buying parts out of a Mac mm. Pro. I was thinking more like organ donation, right? Like someone that gets your too. liver, yep. someone gets your heart, someone gets your retinas, yeah, et cetera. I can't imagine anyone's going to put like the SSD on like a bike and like get it across town though <laughs> on ice. Stat, we got to move this. <laughs> we got twenty minutes on this GPU. this episode of connected is brought to you by trade how do you take your coffee a full body roast something lighter we all have our preferences and no matter what you love to drink trade coffee makes it easy to brew your best cup at home trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from america's best independent roasters they ship free to you as often as you like whole or ground Whether you're a coffee nerd or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and then use technology to match your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Just take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they replace it for free. It's been featured in places like the New York Times, just like our co-host Federico. Mr. Vitici's been in the New York Times as well, so has Trade Coffee. Uh, but they have, they've won up to you because they've also been in Wired and GQ. And Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. Their subscription is no hassle. Skip shipments, change your frequency, or cancel at any time. Mike, tell me about your experience with Trade Coffee. I was too busy Googling at that moment to see if Federico had been in GQ. Oh, you know right, we so. would know if he had been. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. No, but like he, that. I can imagine he could have been quoted somewhere. Maybe you know in GQ because I was pretty convinced I could find him in Wired. Yeah, so like I felt probably. like GQ was the last yeah, one. Yeah, that's possible. But anyway, I'm a big fan uh, of Trey Coffee. One thing I've not needed to worry about with Trey Coffee is the idea that, that if you don't like the bag, then you can send it back to them and they'll replace it because I have loved every coffee that I've gotten from them. It's just been really great. They know exactly what I want from the quiz that I went through uh, and every bag that we've received has been as good as, if not better than the one that came before it. So I've been very, very happy with my experience. 
For our listeners, right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash connected. So get started and take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash connected and start your journey to the perfect cup. Our thanks to Trade for their support of the show and Relay FM. Five years ago, we got some shocking news that Apple was going to be acquiring Workflow uh, I remember this very mm. well. Uh, it, I was shocked that it's been five years. Uh, but Federico, I'd love to talk to you about about this news and you know how you felt at the time and how you mm. think Apple's handled this in the the half decade since. I love your wor- worst case, best case sort of uh, mm. approach to your article. So we have this this article called "The Future of Workflow" uh, in the show notes, where you outlined sort of what you viewed as the worst outcome. So maybe let's start with that. Like what were you afraid of, you know, that could have happened when Apple purchased workflow? Like what was that worst case scenario in your mind? Right. Right. So the worst case scenario was sort of following the typical playbook of most startup acquisitions, right? That it was going to be an acqui hire so that the workflow team was going to join Apple, but they would stop working on the workflow app and the workflow app would eventually get discontinued as those folks had been hired by Apple and they started working on other things. And I feel like the concern was justified because in the acquisition news, a detail that maybe some people do not remember is that Matthew Panzerino, when he broke the news on TechCrunch, he mentioned specifically that the workflow team was going to be joining the Siri and proactive <laughs> intelligence teams at Apple. And that seems like, okay, why would you want to work there on those teams? You know, especially Siri of five years ago. I mean, Siri is not great now imagine five years ago so there was there was some skepticism skepticism surrounding this this acquisition and what would it mean also there was also like there was that constant uh, underlying sense of oh this entire app has been built on on you know on a very <laughs> risky foundation. It's a house of cards based on a bunch of workarounds and sure native APIs, but are we sure that Apple really likes what these young kids have been doing? And the answer is that yeah, they were actually in love with it. And the the, the worst case scenario did not come true. Actually, the the absolute best case scenario come true and perhaps even more than I imagined. Yeah, you, you have in your article some things that you hoped to see if Apple took the better path. So things like a better action extension, new privileges, deeper integration. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk about mm-hmm. what you called workflow kit, which would... Right, which eventually yeah. be Siri kit. That's... But that was so. My assumption was all those things were, and I'm really, you know, patting myself on the back over here. I'm really glad that I made those predictions because that was exactly uh, what Apple ended up doing. So my idea was workflow has built this ecosystem of third-party apps that are compatible. Um, I guess it's been five years, so maybe we can share these details now. Uh, We knew, some of us knew at the time that something was happening because um, some of those applications that that had workflow compatibility 
uh, at the time, uh, they were suddenly asked by the workflow team to sign oh, some additional yeah. paperwork to grant them permission to use their URL schemes. Yeah, and I think we thought that they were in legal trouble or were getting, like someone is trying to sue them or something. Yes, we, we thought that we knew slash we thought that something was going on. And a few months later, the, the news of this acquisition broke. So obviously they were getting their affairs in order, <laughs> right? Uh, to prepare to be acquired by Apple. But the idea was, well, they have this third-party ecosystem, but it's all based on URL schemes and X callback URL stuff. There has to be a better way to do this, right? And this is where Apple, you know, being, you know, Apple is Apple because they have really smart people working on this stuff that can have a vision to turn an existing product into something that you don't know you need, but that once you see it, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense. And the idea was, what, what, what if we take this idea of having a system that allows apps to exchange data in the background, or, you know, things like to create notes, to start uh, directions to a location, uh, to retrieve documents, whatever. What if that actually became part of the framework that we have for Siri? And what if all these shortcuts that you created as the user could also be triggered as a custom phrase in Siri? So that was the idea, to you know, blending together the world of Siri and workflow, then renamed shortcuts, um, in a way that used the existing foundation. That's that's where Apple was really smart. They didn't have to create a separate like shortcuts kit or whatever. They built on top of Siri Kit with wildly different results, right? Because in Siri, the voice assistant continues to be largely inefficient, <laughs> let's say, uh, at dealing with third-party app integrations. But in shortcuts, there are some really really excellent examples of Siri kit based actions from third party apps that let you do all kinds of stuff especially because you know over the years Apple has raised the memory limit for these actions they have allowed even complex actions to run for longer in the background and now you can do things like Pixelmator Pro uh, super ml resolution as a shortcuts action on the Mac so wildly different outcomes for the same technology. And I find that fascinating. And obviously, the thing that I could not possibly expect at the time was shortcuts for Mac. So Apple just coming right out last year and saying, we believe shortcuts is the future of automation on, on, on Apple platforms. Well, okay. <laughs> so that's a, that's a big commitment. That's a big statement. And so honestly, looking back at five years ago, all the, all the things that I wanted came true. But obviously... You know, with time and with the relaunch of shortcuts in, in iOS 12 and all the updates for iPad later and most recently with Monterey, there are always new things, right? There are always new problems that come up and always new new wishes that you come up with. And I feel like it's not all it's not all hmm. positive, right? Uh, there are still some lingering issues, I would say. Uh, for example, the the fact that shortcuts almost on an annual basis, has undergone a redesign in the editor, in the library. And last year, by switching to SwiftUI, they have 
introduced dozens, hundreds, maybe, of bugs and visual glitches on all platforms, many of them still haven't yeah. been fixed. Apple has been very uh, proactive in reaching out to the community, and on each re- now they have full-on detailed release notes for shortcuts on Apple.com, which is incredible. Um, all the individual bug fixes are mentioned in the release notes, so that's great. They're making progress, but I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again, at some point, the annual redesigns need to stop. And so hopefully now that they have SwiftUI, that's done. And more broadly speaking, the, 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 the other thing I would mention is there's still work to be done in terms of consistency. Shortcuts at the moment is everywhere, but it doesn't behave the same on all platforms. And you have these very different uh, l- possibilities whether you use shortcuts on the Mac or use it on the iPad or use it on the iPhone. It's almost like they were made by separate teams, right? On the Mac, you can fully control multitasking and you can resize and and place windows anywhere. You can run shell scripts, you can run JavaScript, you can run uh, Apple script. You have system-wide integration with the keyboard. So you can have custom triggers. In Monterey version 12.3, they added this new option to shortcuts for Mac that I found out about a couple of days ago called provide output. This is like a hidden toggle in the in the in the details screen, in the configuration screen for a shortcut. And if you enable it, you can basically put together shortcuts that automatically like replace things in the app that you're using like for example you're using text edit you select all the text in a document the shortcut runs and if you have provide output enabled it replaces the selected text in the i could make a markdown convert to rich text stuff yes i already made one and you know it's one action To do that sort of stuff now, it's one action. Because all you do is convert Markdown to rich text, one action, you go to the configuration screen, you click on provide output, and that does it. And I could do that by keyboard shortcut too, right? Yes, you select text, you run the keyboard. So you see this, like on the Mac now, you can do these incredible things with shortcuts. And I get it, maybe on the iPhone, you shouldn't be able to do them. But on the iPad, with a keyboard and a very similar system, why not? So enough with the redesigns, more stability, performance improvements, and I think the next big thing for shortcuts, and maybe we, then we can go into some more specific wishes, but the, the next big thing needs to be consistency. Make the app behave as much as possible in a similar way on I mean, all platforms. It is a necessity because the shortcuts sync. Mm-hmm. You can't keep making yeah. them different from yeah. each other when they sync cross-platform because then you end up with a bunch of problems, like to the point that they had to introduce like detect device for this reason, right? As an exactly. Yeah. Like, that's a symptom. That's I get it. It's a nice option, but that is also a symptom of a problem, which is you got to have conditions to check the platform you're using. That's not ideal. Imagine if like reminders at a submenu that said oh, Mac only. <laughs> no, it doesn't have it. And like it's nice. Like it's nice that they have it because there are times where you might just want it to be completely different as a shortcut. 
I like that they embrace things that are Mac-ish, like the menu bar or whatever. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, mm-hmm. there are certain things like like the way that Safari actions would not work the same or the way that, as you mentioned, the multitasking actions, just not doing the same thing or not working at all. It's like this stuff, you can't, we can't go like this forever. I mean, it does make me actually like, we're talking about like how much has changed in five years and like how much farther ahead it is. But there is still this point in the back of my mind, which is reminds me of the iPad discussion that we had last week, Federico, of like, it's been five years and there are still these things that are, that have not changed. Mm-hmm. And like, and I at this point That's don't true. understand like why, like, like keyboard shortcut triggering of mm-hmm. shortcuts, yes. right? Yeah. Especially now, Apple has a second global modifier key. Yeah. Right on the on the iPad that the Mac doesn't even have, and you still can't do it. You know. It's, yeah. Like well, well, new Macs do, but it's not rolled out completely. New Macs do, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, because command, option, control, and shift were not enough. We need we needed a fifth one. Mm-hmm. Going to five <laughs> shortcuts. <laughs> we're doing five blades. We're doing five blades. Um, but so looking ahead at the next uh, five years, maybe I guess uh, so performance improvements is is the next big thing. Like you need to re- to po- really polish this thing now, uh, and consistency, obviously. But I think coming, you know, in the next five years, I would say let's keep an eye out for these features. Um, third-party triggers for automations. Uh, I think Apple should expand the list of potential triggers for automations to include specific events from third-party apps. So go beyond like schedule, like it's 7 p.m. on a Thursday, or go beyond, you know, I'm connected to Wi-Fi. Imagine if things like I received a new message in TweetBot or in Slack from this person could be a trigger. So uh, third-party triggers as events from apps. That's something that I would love Apple to work on. The provide output option that I just mentioned is part of a bigger thing that I that I believe should Apple should consider, which is um, more direct control for um, app UI. And I'm not talking necessarily about like UI scripting, which is notoriously like like a, a very bad thing to do. But I would love to have more options in shortcuts to really control and speed up things that I do inside apps. Like, I don't know, open this document, switch to editing mode, uh, share this document with this specific person. Like, those kinds of actions that control features and the interface of third-party apps, that's something that I would love to see in, to see in shortcuts, especially if more pro apps are coming to iPad and iPhone, you know, five yeah. years from is now. That, is that an Apple thing or a developer thing or both? Well, it's... I think it needs to be both, especially when, when, you know, I really see this as going in combination with multitasking, better multitasking actions, especially on iPad, to have fine-grained controls for, let me create a specific workspace in shortcuts, right, down to the specific window of the same app and to the sizing of the window. Like I have three Safari windows open. I want to pick this specific one and I want to put it on the bottom left corner. And then I want like reassembling an exact replica of a workspace from shortcuts to basically have like a saved workspace, right? That sort of integration, I think it needs to come from Apple. And then, and this is the real sort of, uh, you know, big picture stuff. 
I really feel like there is a potential for shortcuts to be used as a sort of like as, as this recipe building tool to create, let's call it maybe presets for potential headsets or glasses down the road. Because I imagine like having those kinds of devices on your face, you will want to save as much time as possible while performing common actions. And so I feel like there's a place for shortcuts to be like, you know, you say a phrase and a shortcut presents you, cuts a bunch of steps from whatever you want to do. Like maybe you want to, you know, you're wearing glasses in 2027 20, or something and you're like, okay, I'm heading home, but I also want to text my partner and tell him I'm coming home. Like that sort of thing that you can do now with the Apple Watch and the iPhone, but imagine becoming super quick and super invisible. Because there's shortcuts. even less UI that you can tap. It's harder to do yep. that. Such a thing. What if someone made an app for sending fast texts? How would that be it like? Have feet. If it doesn't like, have what feet, what would you call no it? Quick, quick, quick. What do you call it? Quick type? Yeah. No, that's another I don't thing. Know. Instant, quick instant message. message. Quick, um, quick SMS. Considering we're making fun of Casey again for no reason, I would just like to take a moment to promote Casey's app called Masquerade, which is a really lovely app that allows you to add emoji to images with face detection. That's great. Got to be nice at least one out of 20 times, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think looking back over the the last five years, there's so much in your article, Federico, that came true. (laughs) Like it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's clear now that Apple bought shortcuts Maybe not with exactly where we are in mind, but with the vision of this being their complete automation story. I mean, we got that line from them last year at WDC that shortcuts is the future of automation on the Mac. Automator automator will be eventually sunsetted, and they are bringing in those actions into the Mac, and the Mac version has scripting support and all sorts of wild stuff that I just I did not expect to see, but I'm mm-hmm. so glad it's there. And for me, at least, yeah, there are issues and there are bugs and there are silly limitations, especially on iOS and iPadOS. But the vision, I think, is a good one. And I'm encouraged that they seem to be taking it really seriously because they should, right? Like if pro users need something solid to build their workflows on, maybe Shortcuts isn't quite there yet, especially on the Mac, but I think with time it will be. And that's exciting. It's, I'm glad that Apple cares about this because I think that's important to a lot of their users. And also to, to build on what you were saying just then, Stephen, like that they consider it important enough that it is a like a building block in the things that they continue to push forward to, right? Mm-hmm. With the potential of doing the kind of stuff that Federico was talking about, you know? that it's like it's there and it does feel like that they keep doing that like they add new stuff and then shortcuts takes advantage of it in a new way right it's like yeah. there's always been this system yeah. the ns activity system or whatever and they're like, well now we yeah. we build shortcuts on top of all of that so it's like really baked into everything mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah this episode of connected is made possible by theragun if you sit at a desk all day you might wonder how to relieve all that tension you get in your body. If you work out regularly, you might wonder the same thing. So whether you're an athlete or just a regular person trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. 
Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device. It releases your deepest muscle tension with a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. By using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. It's really cool, the engineering is amazing. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make it feel like you're holding something futuristic. Go to their site and check it out. There's a link in the show notes. You'll see what I mean. Plus, the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Uh, I've got one of these, and it really is amazing. The blend of technology and just the engineering that goes into this, it feels really good in the hand, really well built, and it 100% gets that tension. I've really been impressed. My wife and I both love it. I, I'm, I feel so relaxed. <laughs> I have one. I got one for Christmas. Like Adina bought me one. And I adore it. I love my Theragun. Like I use it multiple times a week. And just, yeah, every single time I finish the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm so, I feel so much better than before. Like it's great. I love it. My wife and I actually each bought one for each other at Christmas. Because you're cool like that. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was one of those real like romantic comedy moments. <laughs> Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, along with elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova, plus hundreds of thousands of customers like you and me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash connected to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash connected. Our thanks to Theragun for their support of the show and Relay FM. Uh, I need to call a special Connected Congress to order. What does that mean? Okay. So there is a, a Google Doc link in the show notes I would like you to each open. I'm opening it. I spent some time in the mountains and, like a certain someone in the Old Testament, have come down with a new set of rules. Wow, someone came back someone came back with a self-inflated sense of themselves, I think is what they actually came back oh, with. Oh yeah, like uh like uh Noah, Noah. Yeah, not Noah. Bruce Banner. Right? <laughs> like Bruce Banner coming down <laughs> from like Darth Vader coming When Darth yeah, Vader okay. had to go fight the Power Rangers. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah. This, I need to be really clear about what this is and what this isn't. Wait, this is a new document for the Rickies. It is a suggested revision to the Bill of Rickies. No, this is a new constitution that you're well, just bringing I'm on I'm merely like suggesting this. it. This is, I'm underlying this, not an attempt <laughs> to somehow introduce <laughs> annual chairman powers to affect change. You know me, man. You knew I was going to say that. No, I was this, just about this, to say, here we go. He's done it as yeah, the annual chairman. I know He's brought- this needs to be peer Well, that's reviewed. what we're going to do. We cannot just... Well, who are our peers? We are the peers of him. No, there needs to be an external committee. No, there's not. This is how you give them power and they take over. Uh, so... 
I know Mike wants this like annual chairmanship to come with power. I don't agree with that. This is not a move in that direction. I've wanted to clean up. You don't agree with it, but as annual chairman, you've decided you're going to no. rewrite the entire no. bill of rickets. As reader of the rules every time, as someone right. who has okay. to stumble through oh, them, coincidence. they're too long and too wordy. And so what I've done is simply clean them up in this okay. proposed bill of rickies. So okay. uh, my suggestion is that I read these. And then I'll read a I'll read a section, and then we can talk about it. How does that sound? Okay. I mean, are you going to tell us how you've changed it? Is that going to yes, be immediately I have some, obvious? Yes, I have some to notes us? prepared. Okay. So the first thing is something that we've been meaning to do for a while, and we just haven't done it. Is some sort of preamble to explain what the heck these episodes are? Yeah, that's been a thing we've wanted to do for a bit, but we've been pushed for time. So the other thing, the other kind of meta structural thing I've done is over time, the rules for the Rickies and the Flexies have been both together and apart. I have truly separated them now. They each have their own preamble and their own set of rules. And so I think if someone listens to these episodes, especially if someone's new to the show, welcome. What a terrible episode to be new to, Mike. Oh my word. Rickies episodes. I'm sorry. Yeah. We want to make that a better experience. As you go through this... Mm-hmm. If me or Federico have something we want to say, can we jump in or should we wait? Let me read the whole... So let me read like the Ricky's preamble and we'll talk about uh-huh. that. And then I'll read the okay. Ricky's rules and we'll talk about that. How does that sound? I'm fine with that. Okay. Because I may explain something later, you know, yeah. as we go. Okay. Yeah. So right. this is my proposed new Ricky's preamble. Okay. The Ricky's is a game connected host play before Apple events. It is made up of three rounds. Each host makes two regular picks, followed by a risky pick. Okay. There are two types of rookies, annual rookies and keynote rookies. The winner of the annual rookies is named annual chairman. It retains the rights to the corresponding Twitter account for the full year. This position is awarded every January. The keynote rookies winner is named the keynote chairman and retains the rights to the corresponding Twitter account until the next keynote is held. After the rookies, the hosts play a game called the Flexies, These two games have separate but related rules. Please stand for the reading of the rules for the Rickies. So that's the preamble. I have three issues. (laughs) Three issues. I have one that I I I have one that I noticed when I was reading it. The first sentence needs tweaking because we do we don't always play it before an Apple event. We do have an annual version. There you go. That was one of mine. uh, We Uh, maybe need a different explanation. So the Rickies is a game connect to host play something. We need a better sentence there. Yeah. Multiple times a year. Before Apple events or before Apple events or at the beginning of a new year. I'm going to say and beginning of a... My next question is event slash keynote because... Oh, wait, like... um, Just in general, like... Well, it is keynote chairman. Yep. Uh, so it probably should be before Apple Keynotes. Keynotes. Yeah. Even though they're technically not that anymore, we're just going to be old school. That's the language that we choose to use. The last thing is like, I know I just have to say it because it just makes more sense to me and I know everyone's going to disagree with me. Like the Rickies is, to me, it's the Rickies are. Mm-mm. Singular game. But this is the difference between like America and the UK. Yeah. Well. But I just need to feel like I need to get this. Okay. And I think Federico needs to make the deciding decision. I'm sure he's going to go with you, but... So I did I think about like, this, you know. and the reason I went singular is because I'm the one reading them. And I think 
Now it makes more sense singular to me as well. But also there are two different types of rickies. Yeah, but it's a game. Like it's a single game that we yeah, play. Yeah, and the rules are the same between the different types. Are they? What about the 365 rule? Is that still the same? Well, we'll get to that. We haven't read the rules yet. I still, the Rickies are, is in my mind the right way to do it. If you two both go with is, that's fine, but I need to get my like protestation out into the world. And you know? there's nothing saying that you can't say that. I just think the document, it should be singular. Yeah, I mean, I will, I, there's no way I can say it. I just will, it will break in my brain. Yeah, because we also do Apple is versus Apple are, which is the same thing, kind of. Well, I don't. I say Apple are. Apple, Apple are sounds. No, it sounds wrong every single time. Apple is. is Apple is not a singular organism. It is made up of a group of people. It's a company. No, it's a company. Made up of people. It's a company. Like, no, it doesn't matter. It's well, a I'll single. It matters in English. No. We wouldn't say Apple is. We would always say Apple are. Well, what do you know about language anyway? I mean, I speak the language that the two of you wish you owned. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Did you hear that, Steve? Yeah. No, I did, and we're moving on. He speaks the language that the two of us wish yeah, we no, could. I, I, I'm aware of his feelings. Read the preamble. Yeah. Yeah. Please mm-hmm. stand for the reading of the rules of the Rickies. I don't think... Uh, no, this is not an official yeah, I'm, Well, I was going to say, y'all don't have to stand for this, because these aren't the rules yet. Right? This is a suggestion. So here are the rules for the Rickies. Correct regular picks are awarded with one point. Everything written down in the prediction document must come true to earn any points, and no partial points may be awarded. Correct risky picks are worth two points, but wrong ones will cause a point to be deducted from that host's total. Picks must have been approved as risky by the two other hosts before the start of the game. Scoring is done during recording and cannot be modified once an episode is complete. In the event of a tie, dice by PCALC must be used in Relay FM mode to pick a winner. Jason Snell has a lifetime ban on flipping any coins on connected or adjacent podcasts or events. I like that you have kept this. I'm happy this stayed in. It's very important. And I needed the adjacent podcast and event so he doesn't like sneak in a live show with a coin. Like running on stage with a coin. I do feel like it's... Actually, I will say it's kind of un... Oh, sorry, I'll come back to this. Yeah, the adjacent podcast is tricky. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. The order of picks is set by previous performance. For annual rookies, the winner of the previous year's game goes first. In the case of keynote rookies, the winner of the previous game goes first. In both cases, the loser goes last. For keynote rookies, the scoring window starts when the event begins and closes when the picks are scored. Any information in scoring must be publicly verifiable at the time of scoring. And then I have the this is the this is boilerplate, but I'll read it now. As a reminder, Stephen is the current annual chairman and Federico is the current keynote chairman. A Twitter handle is on the line. Past results can be seen at rookies.co and rookies.net. The former also has a page about how to manage your own scorekeeping at home. So I have been working with our friend Lex at rookies.co. Whether we use it or not, or it's in the rules or not, I still wanted this on on the page for people to uh, know how the tricky, the version of the trophies we have and the Mac tricky, how to keep those correct. So with images and stuff, I sent him some pictures, so we're working on that. Okay. So that's the rules. All right. Thoughts? I have two. Okay. Uh, the, where is it? Scoring, what is it? No, it's in the top part. Everything written down in the prediction document must come true to earn any points. 
I think agreed upon is better than written down because technically we write a lot of stuff in to the document that is not counted in the scoring. It is just context. It is flavor, as they say. So I just think like everything Mm -hmm. agreed upon during the picking process. Because we agree now, right? Like I feel like we have naturally come to that where we agree on what the pick is. And then there's the surrounding context. And then then we give some extra bits. Yeah. And it's not what's written down. It's like we write that stuff in italics, but that can't be in the rules. Well, maybe you know? we don't need that phrase. And maybe it's just correct regular picks awarded one point, no partial points can be awarded. There's a good reason we need something like this because one of us will try and wriggle out of it so at some see. point. But it's just like. So what about like, I'm just going to make a new paragraph so we can compare. There's like, there is this idea of it being agreed upon, I think, is the. Is the, is the, the language used for. Regular picks uh, must be finalized and agreed upon during recording. There you go. That's perfect for me. And no partial points may be awarded. That feel good? I think that works. Yeah. Okay. I have a problem with saying Jason can't flip coins on adjacent podcasts. I just don't think we have the jurisdiction to say he can't flip a coin on the incomparable, for example. Okay, so maybe Jason doesn't want to, but I think yeah, that should be Jason's meant, thing. So I meant for that to really be like I don't want Jason like rage flipping on upgrade because we banned him here, but I guess we can't really say no, that. So he, we can't stop him from doing that, you know. Okay, so we'll just say he has any his lifetime ban of flipping any coins on connected. What if Jason Snell has a lifetime ban on flipping any coins on connected? Semicolon other coin flips by Jason on adjacent podcasts are frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, semicolon coin. Or, or similarly, <laughs> we judge anybody that allows Jason to flip a coin on their behalf. Uh, let's see, coins. I kind of like... I like the frowned upon, though. Yeah, actually. coins flipped by Jason on And other... I do agree with a suggestion that Jason is making uh, in the Discord right now. Uh, not about connected, but about for the Rickies. Mm. Right? In case we do the Rickies, not on connected. Right? Like a live really FM show. Yeah, yeah. Could, yeah, there would be yeah. a loophole yeah. for it. Just, we're, we're doing some kind of like uh, 10th anniversary show and we're grading some Rickies and he runs on and starts flipping coins left, right, and center. So uh, his lifetime ban flipping any coins in relation to the Rickies? Yeah. yeah. Semicolon though, coins like, flipped by Jason. Other podcasts are allowed but frowned upon. Love it. What uh, <laughs> I will say as well, like this, this is not for the rules, but just as like a thing for us to talk about. Jason never flips coins; he throws them. That's the problem. <laughs> if he could flip a coin, it would be fun. What if I do flips and quotes in the rules? Coin flips. <laughs> I love it. Yep. yep coin flips perfect. by Jason on other podcasts are allowed but are frowned upon. And every time you say it, you have to do the like. Yeah. You know, Flip, yeah. flips, <laughs> flips. He wishes. <laughs> uh huh. the The other thing that I I came across that was a little weird, it's just I was reading it was the last paragraph because I didn't read these out loud when I wrote them. Yeah, yeah. The scoring window starts when the event begins and closes when the picks are scored. Any information used in scoring must be publicly verifiable at the time of scoring. I want to change that last one to like time of recording. I think. Yeah, recording is perfect. It's not to repeat it. Yes. Yeah. So. Some things I removed. I removed the rule about not being able to reuse picks. That's my suggestion, that Mm. we banish that rule. Uh, 
The other thing I got rid of was closing ceremonies because we've never actually done it. And right, I think so that pointing people we'll to come Ricky's back to the reusing. I think we should still say it as a closing ceremonies. The reason why I reckon we should have it is because it is a future merchandising opportunity. Mm. Right? Mm. So I think there is benefit to keeping it in the rules. I mean, one day we'll we'll do it. <laughs> so what if I say in the in both cases the loser goes last, winners will be recognized during the closing ceremonies. During Love the it. closing ceremonies. Perfect. And if we just never if we always keep forgetting it, then it's like a running gag. I mean, at this point, it is accidentally won. And yeah. maybe the winner is just never recognized. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be contested winners. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Is, is there an ability to contest a winner if we never recognize the winner because we keep forgetting? What about winners will be celebrated? No, because scoring is done during recording. Scoring is completed during recording. I would prefer winners will be celebrated during the closing ceremonies. Maybe. I think that might be better than recognized. Uh, anything else with the, mm. the Rickies? Not that part, no. I'm good with it. Okay. Yeah, this all looks good so far. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I feel like we've done a lot of legislation today. Let's uh, deal with the flexies next week. How does that sound? Considering you ambushed us today with this, I, didn't I ambush actually would you. like some time to sit on this. Exactly. Yeah, because we actually haven't settled the 365 reusing picks thing. Yeah, I need to think about that one, actually, because I, I, I think that there is a benefit in... Because, yeah, it did add, like, a fun mechanic to the, you know, to the... Because there is the mm. idea of, I'll just get it next time, which that doesn't sit well with me. I think we need to, to come up with some kind of reusing pick. Yeah, I think Jason had um, uh, a suggestion of reuse, not being able to reuse them the next round. So, like... If I, yeah, how does that count for the annuals? Right, we'll talk about yeah. this next week. We'll okay. talk about this next week. Okay, we'll talk, so yeah. we'll we will come back to this. I have a little to do list now at the top of the document. In the meantime, if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to our website relay.fm/connected/slash three ninety. While you're there, you can leave uh, feedback or follow up. There's an email link there, or you can do it on Twitter. You can find Mike on Twitter as I M Y K E. Mike, tell people about your new show. Uh, if you are a fan of Formula One racing, which you should be, if you're not, you should watch Drive to Survive on Netflix and you can make those noises. Like, I don't know who it was that did that, Stephen or Federico, but maybe it was just a real Formula One car. I don't know. Uh, you can check out, I've got a new show on Relay FM and streaming live on YouTube. It's called The Backmarkers. Um, it, you can go, and uh, we're at backmarkers.fm for the audio, backmarkers.live for the video. Uh, it's Austin Evans and I, and we stream live after every race of the Formula One season. Uh, it's a different thing for me doing a video podcast like it's a video podcast as well as an audio podcast which has been a fun uh, experience uh, I reckon people go I would rec- I would recommend people check it out if they have any interest in Formula 1 we're building this for new fans that's the whole idea so uh, please check it out you can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici V-I-T-I-C-C-I and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net you can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Squarespace, Hover, Trade Coffee, and Theragun. I'd also like to thank our members if you're interested in Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. 
uh, you can join there at the relay.fm slash connected webpage. There are a couple of buttons there right at the top. You can join monthly or annually, get access to Discord, the Relay newsletter, a bunch of membership extras, shows, wallpapers, a lot of good stuff there. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.